We're back! We're back! It's a distraction! I'm Drew! That's Roth! How you doing, Roth? I'm good. How's things? I'm good. I'm hot. I am fucking hot. Like, yeah, I know, like... I was like, gonna say something. You look incredible. I, yeah, I know it's it's something like England right now, where they're all like, Hey, he's all it is! Like, I'm not, like, that hot. But, buddy, it is, like, it is maximum scrotum stick-to-thigh yeah. weather out there. It is fucking My brutal. building's HVAC stopped working. Uh, they're working hey. on it. That is a scheduled <laughs> outage, by the way, as of Only 1 a.m. yesterday. Only in New York, baby. Yeah, it feels great. So we have the, the vents on, so it's, it's blowing air, uh, but the air is more or less room temperature and faintly wet. So I would say that all it's doing is making us more unhappy at this point. Wow, finally, instead of describing politicians as wet guys <laughs> you are the wet guy it isn't that it is this is i look like yeah you can't see it because it's a podcast but i look like tony gonsolin right now i am Fantastic. just i look like i got pushed off a shrimp boat that is awesome i don't know who that is our guest is justin halpern he knows who mastermind is. behind harley quinn and abbott elementary on abc and justin i i, I have an email i'm gonna read from a reader right away because I, oh wow i feel like you would appreciate this you are the person rips on me for having a loud voice more than any other person in my life. Even my wife. My wife My wife does shit on me for having a loud voice. But you are particularly persistent about it. So this is an email from Brian. Brian writes in, Today, I was riding my bike on Seattle's Burke Gilman Trail, listening to a pleasant true crime podcast about an FLDS polygamous cult, because white people. I have to play my earbuds at high volume when I'm on my bike because of the wind. Anyway, when that episode ended... I didn't know that I had this week's distraction queued up to play next. And Drew's, we're back! We're so goddamn loud this week. And since I wasn't expecting them, I crashed my bike into a drainage ditch. I thought I was being attacked by crows. A couple of people found me laughing maniacally on the edge of the trail, and I'm fine. So I apologize to Brian for making him crash his bike onto a fucking ditch. You you have what I like to describe as like a sitcom actor's voice. Uh oh, like like a, unlike a '90s sitcom when you know it, it's like the actor who's not a series regular, but they recur. So when they come into a scene, they really want to score, and normally they do that by just being louder than everyone else. And that's your your voice. It's this. It's this. Vo- it's it's just so. It's it's aggressive. It's like it's such. It's so. It's loud from everything. I imagine you having a bullfrog's throat when you're speaking because it's like so intense. Well, you can, because we're on a, a Zoom call now, you can see that a lot of times Drew will be like punching it in with hand gestures when he's hitting the we're back at the very beginning of it, which I always love. Like if I'm looking at the screen while he's doing it, it's kind of like it has like arena rock size and yet it is like it's the same room that i've talked to him in for two and a half years now like i know that there's not another person in there there's not even a dog in there but he is like absolutely bringing it home like he's at fucking live aid in 1985 which we I have really had respect. defector commenters i have read the comments from guys who are like i i can't listen to the podcast because drew's voice is so annoying and then i think to myself sometimes i'm like Maybe I am annoying. Maybe you're, maybe I sound no. Maybe I'm an actor. Loves Drew. No, 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 no. no. You, we, this isn't a Mindy Kaling sitcom. You don't have to. <laughs> you don't have to compare you to that. Wayne Knight. Are you going to yeah. sit here and act like that's an insult? Yeah, actually, Wayne Knight, a fine character. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, like the re- reverse Ira Glass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. Like like the like 
fired from NPR on the spot for being like, welcome to All Things Considered. We're going to fucking throw down with, au- Let's get to <laughs> with it. author Zadie Smith. Fuck yeah, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> Justin, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing really well. Uh, just uh, working on TV shows and uh, living the California life. Have managed to knock on wood, not get COVID, but I'm going to, I have to go to Comic-Con this week to promote season three of Harley Quinn. Oh, you're fucked. And I'm, I'm sure I'm getting COVID. There. My, uh, my brother was the last person in the family to get COVID and he got it because he went to England last week. And I think we're, I think right now because of the new variant and there's like, you know, there's like the spike, but it's not like the spike where, or I sh- I'm being too flippant saying this, but to me it's, they said that it's a spike that is like, you, you know, you don't want to get COVID, but this isn't one of those spikes that's going to wipe out like a million people. So, so now it's like, I think that if you travel, particularly if you travel on an airplane right now, you're just going to have to accept that that's part of the package. You're going to get some, yeah. you're going to get a little, little taste of the COVID. No one on airplanes or in airports is wearing masks, which is one of those things that we had that experience recently when we went to Maine and it was... It sucked. It was a, it's like a 55-minute flight. Like, you can definitely do it. And yet right. I feel like this was like the thing that for a certain type of person, that this was like what they waited two years for was the opportunity to taste the air <laughs> in, right outside the lavatory in like a little airplane going to Bangor. Like, whatever. Mm. It's, I hope that they are having fun with it. But that's got to be uh, nice for you to go back to – is it the San Diego Comic-Con, Justin? It sure is. I grew I grew up five minutes from there. I worked. Uh, there's actually. I wrote a story a long time ago for Deadspin about uh, Comic Con experience that I had had. That is still like every year someone sends me that story. I love um, that story. The the yeah the the story of uh, I was working at. I won't. I don't need to tell the story here. Yeah, but, I think but, actually you should tell the story. Yeah. I think oh, should I tell? Should. All right. All right. I'll tell. I, the what story. do I so want? I, do, I, do you think I want people clicking on fucking Deadspin right now to fucking that's read your, it? It's a good point. Yeah, all right. Fuck Deadspin. Here's the story. So I used to work at this bar across the street from the convention center. It's called Dick's Last Resort, and it's like one of those Ed DeBevick style places where the waiters like insult you, and people yep. love it. Um, and the tablecloth is like, it's not a tablecloth, it's butcher paper, and you can draw on it. So anyway. Do you, like, like, you get a jukebox at each table where you can play like shitty Elvis songs too? No, it's not even that high you, class. Can I also ask you a question before you get on with your story? Were mm-hmm. you front of house being a dick to somebody or were you like washing dishes? No, I was a bus, bus wow, boy. That's a lot of squandered talent right there. They really could have <laughs> yeah, left, yeah, left a lot on the vine. All right, go on. People, yeah. So, so I, uh, so anyway, it's this weird confluence in San Diego of like it's a military town, but for one weekend a year, it is influx of, and this is 2000 probably, like it's right around like 99, 2000, that, that time. So it's like, it's a bunch of nerds. It's like, it's, it was, Comic-Con wasn't what it is now where it's all like famous people mixed in with some nerds. It's like, it was all nerds. So and, and it's shitty like, nerds too. It's not like charming nerds. Like, you know, it's not like, oh, it's such a nerd. Like it's dickhead nerds. Yeah. So anyway, I hear a, a giant kerfuffle out on the patio and I run out there and there's this military dude who is holding a napkin in the air and he's screaming at this like really classical nerd. Uh, he's like, I'm going to fuck you up. I'm going to fuck you up. 
And I'm like, oh my God. So I get paid minimum wage. So I'm like, obviously I'm not going to set foot anywhere near this and like catch any kind of collateral damage. (laughs) You must not protect this house. (laughs) Yeah. So I go and get a bouncer and the bouncer comes over and he's like, what's going on here? What's going on? He's like, I'm gonna fuck this nerd up. That's what's going on. He's like, okay, but like more specifically what's what's happening. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I'm here is it seems like you're about (laughs) to fuck this nerd up. So, And so by the way, so as this guy's screaming, this nerd has not said anything. He has been totally quiet the entire time. And the and the the angry military guy goes, uh, you know, this guy thought I took his table, so he drew a picture of me sucking Spider Man's dick <laughs> on this napkin, right? And then it's quiet, it's quiet, and then the nerdy guy goes, it's Daredevil, and then and, the guy, and then the military guy just jumps the table and starts, and they just go at it and pulls them apart. But I love that it. it's just like he couldn't. He couldn't uh, just live with the guy being like a Spider-Man and getting it wrong. It was Daredevil. Yeah, I couldn't. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I can't help but like envision like the bouncer being like, hey, what's going on here? And, and the military guy being like, oh, fuck this nerd up. And the bouncer's being like, oh, oh, all right. If that's the case. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was just called back here because there was some, some confusion among some of our back of house staff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought you guys were going to play chess against yeah. one another. <laughs> I was just going to wish you good luck because it looks like this guy's definitely got you in terms of brain power. Like also artistically, that's a great rendering of Daredevil getting his dick sucked by someone in the Navy. I have, uh, yeah. I've been to San Diego Comic Con twice. I've been to New York too. But if you enjoy long lines and being extremely fucking hot, wandering through a convention hall and not knowing where the fuck you are, while there's like a giant Terminator endoskeleton that costs five thousand dollars that only like a pederast would buy, like that is your jam. Like that is the place. The thing, the thing that I love most about it is you will see the outline of more people's dicks than you've ever seen anywhere else. Cause they're all cosplaying in these homemade like Lycra, like spandexy suits. And you know, when they make a superhero movie and they make the spandex, they make sure that there is something to stop the audience. It, it, it's, it's form fitting. You don't see any outlines of dicks, but if a normal person makes their own superhero costume, we're all going to see the outline of your dick and balls. That's it's going to happen. That has to be one of those things where, especially, I'm assuming you're going there to, like, you know, help these fans, some of whom may be, you know, given the the broader, like, sort of Harley Quinn uh, brand, like, you might be able to detect a dick print in your dealings with them, and yet you just have to, how do you, uh, as a professional, how do you tune that out? You just keep keep the eyes up there and never stop moving? You can't go Shatner on these nerds. You have to be nice to them, right? Yeah, I mean, look, I keep, I maintain eye contact. I mean, luckily for the for the Harley stuff, it's like a lot of uh, women dressed as Harley, and I think just in general, just across the board, women have better sense in their cosplaying than men do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the men have a tougher time. What what a shock! Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so you know, yeah, I'm just supportive. I'm not calling out any outlines of dicks and balls. I'm just like. Thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting the show, which, you know, I am thankful for. And if you have a dick and balls outline, I'm not going to comment on it or look at it. I'm going to let you, you know, feel confident. Yeah, about have, the uh, have, you know, obviously enjoy carrying that around the entire rest of the convention. So yeah. San Diego, I think of, and, uh, you know, I've spent a grand total of about 18 hours in the city. So this is not probably very accurate. I don't think of San Diego vibe wise as a town that's going to, embrace a comic-con sort of scenario very much no so is that it's not the case like they're a little sour about it yeah they hate it san San diego is basically like 
if there was a beach near Boston. Right. Which is like, yeah, the, the story that, oh, or whatever, the brutal. way I'd always heard it described was like Los Angeles, if you replace the movie industry with the Navy, which is not, <laughs> like, not what you want either, like vibe-wise, but a beach no, near like, Boston I, is worse. I always said, used to say that the mascot for San Diego should be like a five foot eight guy who's totally jacked who's holding his shirt in his hands as his girlfriend in platform sandals is holding him back because he's threatening to beat someone up. Like that's the statue that should be as you walk into San Diego. <laughs> you want to go? <laughs> like, yeah. This you is wanna, the guy you know who founded many... the city. That's Jared San Diego. He was, yeah. he was a real dick. <laughs> uh, it is so bro heavy culture. And it's the end of the night, you go out at any bar, especially the gas lamp where Comic-Con is. And at the end of the night, you will hear just like, like birds chirping. You will hear like, the fuck you say to me, bro? Like, what do you want to do, bro? Like, it's that kind of stuff. Your, uh, your father is famous, uh, Justin, because of course he was the, uh, he was the main character of your Twitter feed, which led to shit my dad says, which became a best-selling book. And all that stuff. What does your dad think of Comic Con, and what does he think of Harley Quinn as well? Uh, my dad has never. We grew up. I grew up five minutes from Comic Con because that's where we grew up near the naval base, and the naval base is five minutes from Comic Con. Um, my dad has never been to Comic Con ever in his life. Does he know uh, it exists? He does know it exists because I come down there for it uh, to promote shows and stuff. He has no interest in it, although he did collect comic books when he was very young child but this is like the 40s he had like the first superman yeah this, yeah, yeah this is like little orphan annie comic books right like all the all yeah the they were like just like a jewish guy like this yes. that's his superpower it, <laughs> yeah Pickle it was man. like his yeah his comic was like superman stops a bootleg <laughs> you know like it's like that that's how old my dad is um so he has he does not he does not give a shit about Comic-Con. Uh, he only knows it as like the weekend the Padres are not in town because Comic-Con is there. Um, and then uh, he has he watched he watched a couple episodes of Harley Quinn and was like, I don't get it. So I think he was like, he's just like, it's not for me. Uh, you know, and I'm like, OK, you know, understandable. that, that is like, so for, not for him. I I. I never want my parents to read any of the shit I write. And when they, when I get a text from my mom saying like, oh, your fun bag is fun. I, like, I have to do a mental world. It's like, did I talk about jerking off like this week? Yeah. I, I really don't. <laughs> I really prefer mom that you never tell me that you've read anything I've written. You don't even know I'm a writer. You think I'm a fucking construction worker or something. Like that. <laughs> well, this is like, it's a hard thing with it. My parents are similar just because they don't like to use the computer. I don't know that they necessarily like my writing. I don't think they've read very much of it, but they're very, in the way that, People of their generation, and I think especially uh, of their, like, sort of demo, are they're very, like, label conscious. And so me writing something for, like, New York Magazine's website is, like, a way bigger deal to them than me starting a website that I own yes. with, like, 19 other people. Yeah. They're like, oh, New York Magazine. Well, did you see, uh, you know, David Edelstein there? Was he, right. was he around? <laughs> no, like, it's just, like, whatever. I can't be too mad at it. It yeah, definitely like, is different for Drew because there is a lot of like, like just knowing that your parents could potentially be reading your thoughts on like pooping in different places every single week. Yeah, is tough. that's a that's a heavy load to carry. It's 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 a bit concerning, but that's right. Uh, so, Justin, we should talk to you about show business, or do you want to talk about baseball first? You get your choice, Halpern, since you're the guest. 
Oh, I mean, I, I whatever you'd like. Let's go baseball first. Oh, all right, good. Because it's the All-Star break, which for my money is the worst week on the sporting calendar. Not because of the All-Star game, because all All-Star games are bad across every sport. But like, I can't, like if I'm like, com- I'm completely sports starved, football doesn't start for another fucking month and a half, which is awful. And like, so I have to at least rely on regular season baseball, maybe to tide me over at least for like 10 minutes. I don't even have to, I don't have to watch a whole game. I just have to like see that sports are existing for like five minutes before I fuck off and watch like Barry Lyndon again or something like that. <laughs> but that doesn't even exist right now during the all-star break. Um, can you, Justin, you're a former college baseball player. Roth, you're a baseball fan. Yes. Um, can you guys tell me how this season has been so far? Have all the owners' attempts to sabotage their own sports succeeded? Or have you guys been largely pleased with what you have watched? Roth, you want to go first? No, I think you should. I mean, I'm enjoying it decently that, well. That, but the Mets Justin, are like the Mets aren't fucking up yet. So like I'm, yeah. I'm very simple. Like it's, I was, it's just I, I pushed I the button if, and a treat came out. I'm very I was happy. wondering if Justin made Roth answer because he hasn't actually watched any baseball this season. No, I've watched way too much baseball. Yeah. So as I found that as I get older, I like baseball more because it's like uh it moves slower yeah. and I can like kind of like have it on in the background and I can do other things and like Old basketball people liking baseball? Like, yeah, exactly. Yes, mm. exactly. Um, and I've enjoyed this season of baseball, even though it is very clear that there are roughly 20 teams who actively are trying to lose baseball games. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's like somewhat embarrassing for the sport. Yeah. Um, and I also think it's like this. I think one of the things is that Ian Roth, tell me what you think about this, but it's it's pretty shocking how baseball has doubled down on their insistence that they will not promote the most likable and exciting athletes of their sport, and they don't care if anyone watches outside of regional uh, interest. Really Could you be more feels- specific about that? I don't. What do you? How how is that so? Well, it's like you know Shohei Otani is a very handsome, charismatic person who's doing something that no one has done in a hundred years. Right. And I bet I, have you seen him in a commercial? Have you seen, have you like, has baseball promoted him in any way? Like the other day, like Apple's Friday night baseball game was the Padres versus the Diamondbacks, which I love as a Padres fan, but literally if anyone else watches that, it just means they have a gambling problem. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, how do you fuck that up? How do you fuck up? You have these guys, you have Pete Alonzo, who looks like he stumbled out of a club in Tampa Bay, and he's just mashing home runs 490 feet and doing deadlifts in between at bats. It's like, this fucking Goomba should be on the face, he should be the face of everything in New York City. Yeah, it definitely feels like a missed opportunity. And I think, especially with Otani, especially, I, mean, I love Pete Alonzo. I love Pete Alonso also because he's like just the most normal man. Like he's just like a very <laughs> like there's nothing weird about him, which is insanely weird in itself. But is like also he's just like a big dude who loves hitting homers and like but also like, you know, cares about the kids and, you know, likes to eat a big steak and all that. Like just like a, he's a baseball guy. Like if you like drew a cartoon of a baseball guy. It would yeah. come alive and be. He's beautiful. like the guy in the front of the big league chew. Yes, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And so. Oh, like, I love that guy. But there's like a, a sort of disconnect, I think, between like how baseball sells itself or, or the ways in which it kind of sells itself that like speaks to how little I think the people in charge of it actually like not just like baseball, but 
in the same way that you remember when we had Matt Levine on and he was talking about how it was important that the people that were in charge of Twitter don't use Twitter and like don't understand why anyone would use Twitter. Like, I think that that can be applied to baseball owners pretty easily and certainly to the league office. Roth, can I blame baseball owners for that, though? Like, is it their fault that Otani's not in like a fucking Arby's ad? Well, it's the leagues. I mean, I think that to a certain extent there, the issue is that they don't. In some ways, like, yes, it would be good to have these guys in more advertisements. In another way, it seems like, and you could see this during the All-Star game to a certain extent, they don't know what fans want. They don't really, yeah. like, seem to have, and so they pivot ah. widely from, you know, like, all right, games need to be shorter, nobody wants this, to being like, all right, whatever, it's, uh, you know, just sort of fidgeting with the league in a way that suggests that, first of all, they don't take it very serious, but then, second of all, they don't. Like, what people want is to be able to see Shohei Otani do Shohei Otani things. And the way that you solve that, some of that is, you know, you use him to promote stuff. The other one is you put him on TV as often as you can. Like, and if that means, like, a live look in at an at-bat or, like, at an inning that he's pitching somewhere, then just do that. Well, is that that MLB's doing or is that ESPN? Is that on Fox? It's a little bit of both. I think ESPN and Fox also don't seem to understand necessarily what's going on like the vibe on fox broadcasts is very sour and that's 80 percent john smoltz but it's not entirely john smoltz i think well also you don't have joe buck there anymore to pep yeah up the and honestly receivers. like i think at this point we've all described the full circuit on buck where like he's a professional and he keeps everybody else professional like i i would say that i miss his presence on those i fucking love joe buck yeah. i got no what you're saying i love the thing I'm curious about Justin's thoughts on, so they did, they mic'd up a bunch of players during the All-Star game yesterday, pitchers and catchers. Yes. And it felt like the sort of thing where the league was like, you know, they wanted, it was centering the players, it was making the players more a part of the broadcast. And so it had this feeling of them being like, this is what you want, right? Players. Like, this is what you keep yelling at us about. And yet, like, it's not, the players aren't interesting for what they say during the game. They're interesting for what they do. And like, Every fan understands that because every fan likes watching baseball, and yet somehow because there aren't a sufficient number of people that like watching baseball in the league office or in the ownership group, that very obvious thing just doesn't seem to have occurred to anybody. Yeah, it's like they watch the the like TNT broadcasts of basketball, and they're like, people must love these mic'd up segments. Yeah. <laughs> when they're not like looking on Twitter to see, oh, the clip that went ultra viral is... Steph Curry shooting half court shots before the game and nailing nine in a row. It's like, I feel like people, they don't understand. Like people like watching their big baseball boys hit balls really far and throw them really fast. Like, you know, I, I see a bunch of clips passed around lately of, of Ichiro doing weird Ichiro things, like just for no reason. And it's like, those clips get like thousands of retweets, right? It's because you're like, Oh, right. This is one of the premier athletes of the entire of an entire generation of people doing freakish athlete things like that's why i watch baseball that's why i watch any sport is i want to see someone like how do you yeah they're super marketing that yeah i don't want to hear thor explain to me about why he's wearing his suit i want to see thor use his hammer and beat the shit out of somebody and it's funny too that the baseball version of that which again like you'd expect owners in the league not to totally get like some of it is ichiro making like cool throws and then some of it which i think one of the ones that you're describing i think it's just an old video of Ichiro before a game throwing a baseball into a garbage can that's like yes. 100 yards away, which is like, I don't know. I guess you have a lot of time. You're just hanging around the stadium waiting for the Orioles to come out and play against you. But like, 
if somebody's doing that and you're recording it, then everybody needs to see it. Like the silly stuff works. I uh, I had to yeah. work on a uh, a pitch for the Baltimore Orioles for an ad campaign. Like we were trying to pitch the business, we didn't get it. But one of the things we thought of was that we wanted to get the pitchers like for an ad campaign to like throw fastballs at like a watermelon that's sitting there, <laughs> or just like or just like just use their their talents to just abuse everyday objects because we thought that would be funny. And yeah. what's weird if you is you could do that as opposed to asking them to like do the gym face to the camera, like <laughs> right because that's not organic, right? Yeah. The, what I get from the other sports when I get to know the athletes is I get to know them either through a what they're wearing uh, in the stadium tunnel on the way to the locker room, or b through just absolutely getting supremely bitchy at each other on Instagram. Those are the two things. Like those are the things that I require. So. I want to be like, if I were Rob Manfred, like I would go to like, like Shohei Otani and I'd be like, listen, you need to be a complete asshole to Pete Alonzo on Instagram <laughs> just, for like, just for like what he's wearing. Just like make fun of his shirt or something like that. And that's the secret sauce. Then everybody will be like, oh my God, these guys, these guys don't like each other. I would say. Yeah, I mean, it. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Rob. I was going to say, you know, like, I think any commissioner that doesn't understand that there needs to be some component of w wrestling in your sport in terms of, like, the way that uh, you talk about all the things that aren't on the field uh, is fooling themselves into, like, what's going to make it interesting. Like, basketball is filled with, like, messy drama on, like you said, on Instagram, on Twitter. You know, John Moran is saying, I want all that smoke and somebody else that's like, these are the these are the like sort of human stories we connect to because we're like, oh, in my life, there are people I like and there are fucking assholes that I want to see, you know, have their comeuppance. And they don't this just there's no version of that in in Major League Baseball. It, it is so and, and especially in a sport where it's like there is the time for that. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a slower sport. Um, so there's all this room for extra story around this stuff, yeah. and they just don't really fill it with anything. I think that's exactly right. Maybe, uh, yeah. maybe, maybe that's inherent in the uh, in the populace of baseball players themselves. Because like when your average baseball guy gets annoyed on Instagram, it's usually because he's saying like, "Pro-choice people are are crisis actors, and they don't exist." Like right. that's usually yeah, what you get instead, right? Yeah, so <laughs> that's, this is a good opportunity for us to plug uh, Blake Trinan's Instagram story. It's a great that's place right. to learn. Uh, new things about the germ theory of medicine and and the 2020 election and things of that nature. There obviously some baseball players are chuds, and I think there's also this is like sort of the way that the game has has changed in the way that like every sort of sport has changed. That there's this specialization, and especially like you know youth sports, travel sports, getting more expensive. That baseball, I mean, when it was covered as the most you know popular and beloved sport in the country. It was in part because, like, the players were so colorful and goofy, you know, that there's, like, all these guys named, like, Lefty and Dizzy that were, you know, constantly, like, almost getting hit by trains and stuff. But there aren't, uh, like, I think that most, at least, like, American-born, like, English-speaking baseball players are, like, rich kids from Sugarland, Texas, or, like, you know, West Covina, California. is not that rich, but, you know, it's, like just like normal guys. And so there's only so much, like you can ring James McCann all you want. Like you're not going to get anything viral out of that guy. He's just like a human bass pro shop. <laughs> I mean, that is what I, uh, it, I'm, I maintain this. And again, I'm going to make a sweeping generalization here, but in my experience playing baseball in high school and then in college, and I played with, you know, several guys who ended up going to play professional baseball 
And I would say the like most milk toast dumb of the professional athletes is the baseball player. Oh, like, yeah, not even close. Is this it's hockey not, or it's, Possibly? It might, <laughs> it might be hockey. <laughs> it might be a little bit of hockey erasure. But like, uh, yeah. But hockey guys at least can like, gin up the energy to fight each other like <laughs> yeah at least like, at least they're doing something with their fists yeah baseball guys like there was a guy on my college team he used to, we again i went to san diego state we were like nowhere near the wilderness he would walk around in camo shirts with like a buoy knife attached to his belt oh boy and like he was yeah it was like it's just a lot of that it's like a lot of that everywhere and you just end up with these like really really dumb guys who have no real personality and are, if they get a hold of an Instagram, then they're just like trying. Clearly, clearly it's too many white players. We just have too many white players. We're going to take a break with Justin Halpern and come right back. We'll be right back. We're back with Justin Halpern. We're talking baseball and I want to get out of the, what can we do to fix baseball? Uh, you know, sort of chat. And I want to ask you about specific teams, particularly Justin, your San Diego Padres. Will they secure a wild card berth this year or will they fuck it all up for the second straight year? Man, I mean, I think that they, I think that they will secure a wild card berth because last year they fell apart because literally they had, they burned their bullpen in the first half and then they had no, all they had starting pitching injuries all throughout the second half. They're obviously not as good as, the Dodgers, not even close. And they're probably not as good as the Braves. And they're definitely not as good as the Brewers. But I think they're getting Tatis back. And if he's even 80% of Tatis, that's like a giant bat. I also think AJ Preller knows he's going to get fired probably if they miss the playoffs. So I think that, that he, he's already like a crazy wheeler and dealer. And he, he might do something uh, Pennywise Tom Foolish yeah. <laughs> to get us to the playoffs this year. Well, right. Is there uh, any chance that they would be in the uh, in the running to get Juan Soto, or have they have so, they yeah, sort of yes. exhausted that effort? From what the scouty people that I've talked to have said, that the Padres would be like something like the favorites for it. That they have no shit. Yeah, that yeah. they have. A, well, because they need it, they have a general manager who is general managing for his professional life, and then also, th- so this is the way it was explained to me: is that you know the package for Soto would have to be so big that it, we wouldn't really have an easy time imagining it, you know, as people that have just been watching baseball for only our entire lives, like, and have never seen somebody who's 23 years old and an MVP getting traded by a team. But the Padres have a very good farm system that is also a very, like, traditional sort of scouting approach that, like, the Cardinals, annoyingly, probably are the best positioned in terms of, like, having the most talent that they don't need the most in the upper minors that there's like guys that are, you know, big top 20 type prospects that are effectively blocked by, you know, Nolan Arenado or, you know, players of that sort of caliber where you're like, Ooh, you're not going to move. I don't want to go to the Cardinals. But suck. because the Cardinals have a more analytic approach, it would, might be harder to sell uh, some of these guys to a team like the Nationals, whereas the Padres for a long time have just been drafting like the biggest, strongest boys that they can. Yes. And that's like, you know, if you, can put together enough of those dudes at, you know, various different levels of the minors. Like, obviously, you trade five of those for Juan Soto because the best-case scenario for any of them is that they are almost as good as Juan Soto, maybe. 
But yeah, I mean, I don't know that. I can't imagine the Nationals trading him. Like, not because it would be a weird thing for them to do. Like, they're a shitty organization that's trying to get worse. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. It's just like I, I don't have anything to compare it to. It doesn't compute. You know. Uh, yeah. Uh, Justin, should I find it oddly refreshing that the Yankees are so good right now, or is that some kind of like retroactive Stockholm syndrome that I'm experiencing at the moment? I don't think you should find that refreshing okay. at all. all right. I, it's, I think, I, it's, always at, off, it's always at the expense of the Red Sox being good, which makes me Yeah, happy, that I like. But, yeah, I'm happy with that. But uh, first off, as a half Italian, I actually find it troubling how many Italians that they have on their team and, and how many they – want like i think in whatever kind of like rubric brian cashman has for how he measures players a a talent i think there is a a part of it a metric that says how italian are they and that is factored into their like it's you know war plus ital yeah or like like (laughs) madone yeah it's very complicated it is weird too because it's like in some ways that seems like pandering and yet in another way you know they're a very analytically savvy organization it's just somehow that somewhere along the line they were like we drafted anthony volpe and rob marinaccio and we're really excited for him and like (laughs) it works it somehow keeps working which is it is funny they draft nothing but italians then make them shave their facial hair and then it just grows back five minutes later because they're italian that'd be great (laughs) (laughs) um yeah uh, i also want to ask uh i think i'll ask roth this question are the twins my minnesota twins are they actually good or is that merely just them, a function of them being in a truly awful division with truly I awful think, teams? Uh, to a certain extent, it doesn't matter. I think they're okay. pretty good. I don't think I think that they are in a division full of teams that are either very bad uh, on purpose or in the case of the, I mean, especially the Tigers, but to a certain extent, the White Sox, teams that tried to sort of like pull together a quickie version of a turnaround and then are finding out that it's actually extremely hard to do that. Yeah. Like, the Tigers, like, this was supposed to be their year of going for it, and they're awful. Yeah, yeah they suck. And the White Sox did, the White Sox are kind of, like, Mets classic, like, Wilpon vibes. They do a couple of things, but then, like, they get real tired and just take, like, you know, January and February off. And so that's a team where, like, everything had to go right for them to be as good as they could possibly be, and everything hasn't gone right. So... I mean, I like the Twins pretty well. I like that they've got all these, like, weird bats that can play a bunch of different positions and, like, never strike out and stuff. So that's a kind of a fun team to cheer for. I just, I don't know. I have a hard time assessing, like, how good they actually are because they spend so much time playing the Tigers and the Guardians and the White Sox. Yeah, I think it's one of those things, too, where, like, they have a couple guys who were, like, always supposed to be great who are finally great like Mm. byron buxton has been like for so many years it's like is this byron buxton's year (laughs) and it finally is you know yeah and he's Um, cool as hell that's another guy yeah like you could just be putting his catches like on tv or on tiktok or whatever and just like let them do what they do you don't need to be a genius to market that shit yeah also they have williams who yeah i love that guy is he back he had moved to race with the marlins for a while I, is he back? I think he's back. Is he not back with the twins? I hope he is. I mean, Ooh. like, oh, does that mean I get to Google during the yes, podcast? You should. Everybody loves it. Everybody. Uh, all right. All right. Here we go. The suspense fun, I, is killing me. Astadio was a guy that during the after the initial. Uh, he is there, with the Marlins. You right, fucked so it all. Uh, wow. The podcast uh, in there. And then he moved. I only know he's with the Marlins because I saw him. I was doing what Justin was describing, which is like kind of watching a baseball game, but also kind of just 
being old and feeling my mind die at the end of a long day. It's just like <laughs> chopping shallots or whatever. And I looked up and saw Williams Estadio rounding third for the Marlins in a game. And was like, hell yes. Like, that's the best thing you could see on a TV that you have muted and you're not paying attention to. It's just watching that guy go all out with his little like Koopa Troopa body. We, <laughs> we do have to get to the stupid shit, but I, I want to ask uh, Justin a stupid question uh, first, uh, which is that, Justin, you work on Harley Quinn. You work on Abbott Elementary. Do you ever get those two shows confused by accident and write a line about Bane shitting himself into an Abbott Elementary script? <laughs> I do not. Wow. No, I wow, definitely do not do that. They are two very different shows, and uh, there's not a lot of uh, it's not a lot of crossover. So we had not. The last time you were on was long enough ago. It was like deep pandemic. I remember we talked about like things you could safely do in your backyard. Was like basically the main theme of the episode. <laughs> yeah, Abbott hadn't aired yet. Hadn't yeah, so no. it's fucking great, man. Like I think most of the people oh, that are listening you. to this probably are already watching it. But like that's a a real big. Uh, career feather in the old cap for you there yeah you know i i told uh the star of the show quinta i was like this is her first show that she's had on the air that she created and i was like look as someone who has mostly failed my entire <laughs> career like enjoy this this is very rare that something like this happens and, and it becomes like you know and we just got a bunch of emmy nominations and uh. and uh you know, um, but that's true. Yeah. That's true in Hollywood, Justin. That like in general, even the most successful people, their batting average on projects is going to be like in the hundreds. Like most of the time, you are failing yeah. or being rejected. In between, like the very rare times that you succeed, if you succeed at all. Yeah, I mean, I would say like, I mean, just the, this might be interesting to to you and your listeners, but like. In the year that we got Abbott Elementary on the air, um, ABC, I think they told us they heard 300 pitches, right? So even just to get in the door to be one of those 300 pitches, them you have to have an agent, you have to have all this, you know? Right. But they heard, three, they heard, they heard 300 pitches. They bought, uh, I think, 30 of them. Uh. And then of the 30 that they bought, they made, I think, three pilots. And of those three pilots, they put one on the air and it was ours. Holy shit. So, that doesn't seem like um, an efficient process to me. Like that seems like uh, actually you should just either be making more TV shows or spending less time listening to people's ideas for TV shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's probably a little of both in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, it is like a miracle when this shit happens. It's like I don't, you know, even just to get something on the air feels like a fucking miracle. Well, um, then you deserve a reward. And you, that reward, Justin, this week is going to be remembering a guy. You want to remember a guy? Oh, yes. Good. I'm going to remember a guy. You, no, we. I, I was going to give you a guy, but you can also remember a guy. Oh, if you want. okay. No, let me let me hear. Well, was so, it, you give it me was the an guy. honor of you. It's former Padre Brian Giles. You remember that guy, Justin? Okay, I, I have a story about the guy. Yes! Uh, yeah, baby! <laughs> so, so, I don't know if you remember Brian's younger brother, Marcus. Yes. yes. Marcus Giles. I do. Right. Okay, so... When I was playing, I, I did one year of junior college in San Diego. I played junior college for one year before I transferred and played at state. And during that year, Marcus had either, I think he had just played junior college um, for Grossmont Junior College, which was like a, you know, one of the other junior colleges. And he was like one of these little guys who, he's tiny. He's a small man. And in high school, he was always like, you know, very gifted 
really good, but like a small guy. And then uh, one of the, so anyway, we're playing Grossmont and I think he had just left or something. And he was like, you know, got drafted to the Braves or something like that. And he, he had hit like, I want to say 20 home runs in like a 35 game season. And this is a guy who like in high school had hit like one or two. And I, and I went and I was talking to my buddy who, who was on Grossman's team. And I was like, how the fuck did Giles suddenly hit 20 home runs? And he's like, have you ever seen the fucking back acne on Marcus Giles? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, that dude was so roided up. (laughs) And it was during that year. And the crazy thing is, is remember he had like Marcus Giles made an all-star team. Yeah, he, he had like 20 25- homers in a big league season. In a big league season. And then when they cracked down on all of the Royd shit, it was like he, and I think he had some injuries to it, but like he was never to be heard from again. Yeah, that was a real, like, like, I think in some ways it's it's good for baseball that this is no longer the case. But I was thinking, we were talking about Bobby Estelea on the AMP show earlier this week. I don't, I won't need to go into the details of why we're talking about Bobby Estelea. It's normal to do that. <laughs> But I think that it set some unrealistic expectations for kids that they were just like, oh, yeah, like a back backup catcher in the major leagues. That guy looks like um, like a Hemsworth. And the correct answer is like that person really looks like Bob Hoskins like half the time. Like it's just not the same body type. And yet for a few years, everybody looked like fucking Rob Liefeld drawings and like hit homers. And now they look like Williams. It's great. (laughs) Which is good. That's progress to me. Baseball is retreating back to the na- its natural body state, which is like fat, sort of like pudgy guys who have like lightning quick hands and can mash mash homers. Yeah. I, I tweeted this story, but uh, when I, I've been so in- inspired by Williams um, and Rudy Tellez and all these guys that like one time when I was playing at San Diego State, one of my uh, teammates was like, hey, my he was from Tijuana. He was like, there's a professional, there's a, there's like a professional league in Tijuana. Um, and he was like, will you come down and pitch for my brother's team? My brother has a team in Tijuana. We'll pay you 150 bucks. I'm in college. I'm like, fuck, that sounds amazing. 150 bucks, go play in Tijuana, and then just like walk out to the bars right after. Right, 150 yeah. bucks in my pocket. Pays for LA. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, so then I, uh, I go to the game. I'm like warming up. The first batter, I'm sure I've, this is hyperbolized in my brain, but to my eyes in the moment he was about five six 260 he was like oh, yeah he he could he could not bring his hands like his hands had to be kind of out in front of him because his stomach was so giant yeah, it's like, that he couldn't, not, to, not right? to drag my dad unnecessarily but that's like how my dad's golf swing has evolved over the years where it's just like <laughs> you gotta get your arms extended now there's a so whole you lot have of like like the italian like beach bum pot belly yeah the guy, boiler like, like yes the this guy was man. like all belly he looked like he was like maybe like mid-30s but that like he was barely there's no way he was gonna see 50 it was not gonna happen <laughs> and and so he gets up against me and i'm thinking all right well this man can bear he this man has hasn't seen his penis in like 20 years like i'm just gonna throw i my fastball was like i threw like mid 80s but it had a lot of run to it so it was like i would throw in on right handers kind of get in under their hands i was like if i throw an inside fastball to this man it's just going to be like either gravitational pull is going to suck it into his stomach or he's just never going to be able to get his hands around on it. So it's just like the first pitch of the game. I wind up, I throw inside fastball. I would guess it's probably 85, 86 miles an hour. 
He somehow, his hands are so quick, he turns on it. He hits it like 420 feet over the left field fence. And while he's jogging around the bases, I'm listening to him go. (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, this is what, this is what baseball players actually are and should be. It should be this. Yeah. There's a great bit. And so I wrote about Alejandro Kirk's probably the closest analog to this in baseball right now. The all-star catcher for the Blue Jays. Also a real roly-poly guy, just a short, completely, he looks like a snowman. Like, and he is such a good baseball player in all of these different facets that I was, when I was reading about, I wrote about him like a couple years ago. And one of the scouts, the guy that signed him, also signed him out of, I think he's from Tijuana, out of like a Mexican high school league, was like, the thing that impressed me most about this guy is that he led his league in stolen bases. And I can't emphasize enough, he's not fast. He was just so good at baseball (laughs) that he was able to steal 20 bases off like instinct, despite having like subpar cardiovascular health, like let alone like burst or speed. And it's a different sort of thing. Like I've always admired the guys that are like have the the sort of the Matt stairs thing where there's like there's no exercise involved there, but their wrists alone are enough to make them like ten million dollars doing the incredibly yes. hard yeah. thing. If you have ninety three Phillies energy, I'm a big fan. Yep. I enjoy that. <laughs> Great. But I a big I you know we caught the tail. The Potters caught the tail end of Brian Giles, um, and it was you know we we gave him a lot of money after his prime and probably the ster- steroids where it wore off. Um, but I still have fond memories of the Giles brothers. Good. Let's do one more question before we go. This is from Dan. He writes, Justin, how long could you make it if you were running from the law? One minute, five minutes. Could you get away entirely? Justin, how would you do on the lamb? Well, I think it depends. And were you talking about like the law has shown up at the crime that I've committed for, and I started running? Well, for, uh, for context, I, I, I cut out some of Dan's question. He was watching, uh, in, Classic LA style. He was watching a uh, a car chase early in the morning on Los Angeles uh, local <laughs> local news. Yeah. So breakfast of champions. All right. So, so let's say have... let's say you committed an infraction and the police are hot on your tail. Okay. So I think the first thing that I would do is I would fly near the airport because those helicopters. I think they probably can't go in that airspace. They dropped so all first... the surveillance. So yeah. this is yeah. What you're basically both of you guys right now are telling our listeners that you've seen Den of Thieves. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Very savvy play there. <laughs> okay, uh, I don't think I could make it very far because I think it like I think there's probably certain like mental aspects of it that you have to like overcome in order to actually get to freedom. Like things you have to be willing to do to get there that I'm probably just not willing to do. Right, like. Am I like taking a hostage? Am I like Steve? Am I carjacking someone? Like these are things that I, you know, I'm I'm not going to do, um, and I think that are necessary to like, you know, elongate the amount of time until you, the the cops have get have gotten you. Um, so I would guess I don't know. I think I could do pretty well on the actual like chase part of it because I think it's less about how fast you drive and more about like the smarter decisions you make while driving. But then I think after that, they get me. Maybe, I don't know, maybe an hour. Wow, that's generous. By the way, emergency carjackings, like impromptu carjackings in movies, are so unrealistic. It's oh, The bad guy like runs up to a, like a Chevy, opens the door, and is like, get out with the gun. And then the person just, they just toss the person aside like they're a, like a fucking wadded up paper ball. And they just get in, they just steal the car. I would fail entirely in that endeavor, like 100%. Yeah. yeah I would be, well, 
Obviously, my personality wouldn't help me there. Like that would be, it would maybe lengthen the time that I'd be on the run. But if me, if I'm like in that situation and I open the door and I'm like, "Hi, funny story," like that part of it, like obviously does not help. I'm opening up the door. We're back. We're back. Get out of the fucking car. Brandon Nix and Chantel Holder are our producers. Nora Ritchie is our executive producer. Our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. You can listen to ad-free episodes of The Distraction only on Stitcher Premium. Thanks to us, you can get a free month of Stitcher Premium. Pacino voice right now. Just go to stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code DISTRACT. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you listen. Subscribe to Defector 2 while you're at it, of course. And Abbott Elementary is on ABC primetime. And uh, you can watch Harley Quinn all uh, two episodes. The third season is upcoming. You can watch that on HBO Max right now, too. Thanks to Justin Halpern. Justin, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm glad I got to talk a little Giles Brothers. That was, that was a blast. Thank you guys so much. We will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.